Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is the Banks of the Raritan Podcast, presented by the Fans First Sports Network. We're back here on the Banks of the Raritan Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Petuto, back once again with Matt Forno. And Matt, Rutgers is 1-0. We got a game this week. We had a game on Sunday that got off on the right track, and we got a lot to break down. So how about we hop right into it? Yeah, 1-0 in the Big Ten. Pinch me now. It's amazing to start the year off. Not only 1-0, but 1-0 in the Big Ten. Obviously, we'll get into the game, but super exciting for a super exciting start to the year. Uh, and looking forward to the upcoming game, and we'll get into all of that. Let's get this out of the way first for all you either negative Rutgers fans or just naysaying college football fans that you know are looking for reasons to be a little negative here after a 1-0 start. Yes, it's going to be a long year for Northwestern. Yes, Rutgers is going to play far better defensive fronts. They're going to play far better offensive lines, far better quarterback play. And yes, we didn't see the best competition on Sunday. Let's get that out of the way now. To me, none, to me, none of that matters because what I've been saying from the start is we wanted to see two things from Rutgers. We wanted to see the scoreboard a little lopsided, which we saw. I don't think anybody came into this game expecting to see 40, 50 points. So I was happy with the 24 nothing lead. And two, I wanted to see improvements on offense, which we clearly saw from the opening drive of the game. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I Yes, this game, you can view it on a sliding scale compared to where other Big Ten teams performed or where we're gonna, how we're going to compete with them. But you looked across, if you looked across the opening week of college football, forgetting about week zero, looking at week one, I think you look at the top of the Big Ten and you can say the same thing about a lot of teams. You know, look at Ohio State. They played on the road at Indiana, who's you know a struggling team in itself. And Ohio State never really – if you were to look at – yes, they won, but I would – if I was an Ohio State fan, i look at that game as we lost. Look at Michigan. They didn't establish a run at all against ECU. Rutgers did what it needed to do against, a, now we know, an inferior opponent. I think there were some people that were a little surprised that some of the on-the-banks guys or people who were predicting the, the game had the score – a little lopsided towards Rutgers. Well, you know, I, I, I don't think we were too unrealistic with our predictions. You know, unfortunately, Northwestern is a team that was struggling. They struggled last year. They're going to struggle this year, and it may get uglier for them. However, we can only focus on Rutgers, and I don't think there's anything that Rutgers did wrong that deserves them to be like, well, Rutgers won this game, but everything that they needed to do that we needed to see to be like, hey, this team's taking a step forward, they accomplished in this game. And honestly, 
say that with the score being 24-7, I know we'll get into it some more, but it, it easily could have been a 27 nothing score if we convert that missed field goal and we don't muff that punt. Those things happen. We can't change that. But the I'm, I'm unhappy that they even allowed a touchdown because of the way the defense played the entire game. But, you know, we're going to get into it. Yes, Northwestern's bad, but this was a game that Rutgers controlled what it needed to control by itself. And we can't focus on Northwestern just being bad because people were thinking this was going to be a 6-3 to three game, and that just wasn't the case from the first drive of the game. Exactly. Shout out the On the Banks crew who predicted the score. And, and for the most part, I know I had 24-13. Everybody was within about six or seven points each way combined. So um, very predictable um, from us anyway in terms of low scoring. Rutgers a little more lopsided. And kind of like you said, the, the Northwestern being bad, that was expected. I don't know why anybody would act shocked about that, you know, after seeing them play. That was the expectation. They might win. They might go 1-11 again this year. So when Rutgers comes in and beats them around and, and didn't do some in the box scores misleading as well. You know, you look at 285 yards from Rutgers. But I, I wasn't expecting 40 points. I wasn't expecting 400 yards. This is the kind of game I expected to see. And the improvements were there from an offensive line perspective, from Gavin Wimsett and his consistency from the play calling. And most importantly, in my opinion, Rutgers had two penalties. I believe they had one on the last drive that set up that touchdown. And that's been a huge problem since Greg Schiano came back. Whether it's, you know, coaching or not, they've had an issue when it comes to penalties up near the top of the Big Ten. Only having two for 19 yards, that's huge when it comes to discipline on both sides of the ball. So I think Rutgers fans should be encouraged. Obviously, yes, the competition wasn't at the highest level, but... When you look at other teams, these are games that you schedule. Northwestern's a Big Ten team. So, you know, it's not Rutgers' fault if they're at their peak or if they're at the bottom of the conference. you got to play who's on your schedule. And they have some other opponents coming up that they should be able to kind of open it up a little more and impose their will again. Absolutely. Uh, I, you know, I kind of – we're going to break down, like, maybe some player performances, what the team did well, what the team maybe could have improved on. But I think that what st- stood out the most about this game was – from the beginning, from the opening drive, what Rutgers needed to show to, to take a step forward, they did. They accomplished. Now, it, did, it wasn't necessarily pretty always on that opening drive having to convert at least one fourth down. I think they had. I think it was one fourth down, multiple third downs, but they and controlled the two clock. fourth downs. It might, it, it, it might have been. Thrilled about that they even went for them. Correct. What, like, like when, when, when the – Offense got on the field and they trusted Gavin Wimsett to complete a pass on the opening drive. I was just like, all right, this is good. Like we, yes, that that's happened in previous seasons. That's happened in previous games with, with different quarterbacks at Rutgers, but Gavin Wimsett is the guy Gavin. We know that now. I think we answered that question and what we saw from him was a step forward, but about the offense and maybe, maybe also just about the coaching staff. You talked about the penalties. I, I think the most crucial thing coming into this game was the coaching advantage? I'm not sure if you put, if you put all the players together on a line, you know who, who's better for which team at each position. You know, I, I think it would slide in Rutgers' favor. I think that showed, especially defensively. But the coaching advantage that they have at Rutgers can't be talked about. The experience that coaches like Greg Schiano have, Kirk, Kirk Sriracha, Joe Harasimiak is clearly a rising defensive mastermind. I think in the Big Ten, he's been doing a tremendous job for both Minnesota and Rutgers now. So we have to focus on that. Trust the coaching staff. Now, there's plenty of people that might be critical of things that Greg Schiano does. I don't know if there's much we can be critical about what Kurt, Kurt Sriracha showed in this game, but 
I, I think I, if I if I heard it correctly during the post game uh, press conference, Greg Schiano hinted at that. Yeah, we didn't really show everything on offense, and I think that was pretty clear yeah. from the beginning. Yeah, you know, I, there was there there wasn't anything crazy off- called offensively. Like whether it was there was no trickery, which I was excited about because I don't like when we get when you get fancy when you don't need to be. I saw that plenty of during week one, especially against Indiana. They're they're driving against Ohio State. They get a nice first down, and what do they do? They try to run a reverse play that loses them like ten yards. That's losing football. That's how you lose games. We didn't do anything like that. We didn't we didn't put ourselves in a position where we were going to force the offense to make a mistake. So lots to be excited about. And I think when you hold a team to 12 yards on the ground, that's encouraging. We knew the defense was going to be strong. I, I, I posted a, a video on the, on the bank site breaking down the first offensive drive. I don't even know if it's worth breaking down the defense because they just played so good the entire game. Uh, I mean, forcing two turnovers. So we're, we're, we're excited about the defense, but I think the main storyline this game was the improvement that we needed to see from from opening drive, holding onto the ball for almost seven minutes. Just so encouraging for our fans. It really is. Uh, the, across, the, across the nation. It really is. The important thing to me was the coaching, obviously, and the play of Gavin Wimsat. And, you know, the first, I believe it was two fourth downs on that first drive. And the first one was around midfield, fourth and one, that's a no-brainer. You know, fourth and a yard, fourth and two yards, anything like that, you got to go, especially around that area. The second one was in kind of that no-man's-land territory, I believe around the 40-yard line of Northwestern, fourth and five, and you put the ball in your quarterback's hand. That's a good oh, call. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a spot where you could realistically punt. You're obviously not kicking close to a 60-yard field goal, but you show that aggressive nature early in the first quarter on that first drive. Being like, if we don't get this, we throw our defense out on the field because that's the the unit you can trust right now. And, and Gavin Wimpsett's able to complete a, complete a pass for you know fifteen twenty yards, and they're moving down the field for a touchdown. The coaching and the play calling was very very good in my opinion. You don't need to open it up in this game, and I think Rutgers knew that. You know they were able to make the plays that they needed, call the plays that they needed. We saw Gavin Wimpsett use his legs, whether it be um, rushing for a touchdown. I believe he had forty five yards rushing, forty six yards. Um, scored a touchdown, but even just getting out of the pocket on rollouts um, to throw the ball and look for receivers down the field. It was and a lot of out routes, which I liked because Wimsat's got the arm to get the ball to the sideline. So I think the play calling was very good. Again, nothing too crazy, but at the end of the day, that's what we saw in training camp, like during the scrimmages, Kirk's Rock kind of keeping this offense simple. And it's different than what we've seen in years past with Sean Gleason Easy and simple doesn't always mean boring. And, and the way Gleason called a game the past couple of years is the reason they let him go. It's very boring, very vanilla, predictable at times. I don't think we're going to see that where Kirk's rocking. It showed on Sunday. Yeah, and, and it, it, I don't. I think something that certainly worried me coming into the game is now. You know, this is going to be the norm for each game. Is two hours before kickoff is when you're going to find out. You're going to find the injury report. Now, yeah. if somebody's questionable. You might, in my opinion, I don't know. You probably want to look at that as probably not playing in an emergency situation, maybe. But to see Aaron Young out and then Sam Brown questionable was certain made me feel questionable coming into the game. Yeah. Not because Definitely they didn't trust, right? Because we knew that if we if we had Sam Brown, I, I feel like the framework of this game would have been similar to what we experienced last year during homecoming against Indiana. Just give him the ball, let him run, get first downs, get down the field, maybe kick a field goal. That wasn't the case. So what the case was, and we talked about, you mentioned we didn't have that many yards on offense. 
we didn't yes we held on to the ball a lot but i don't know how many actual offensive drives there were there, there wasn't that much opportunity to pick up a whole bunch of yards especially when we were forcing turnovers in plus territory so again these are good problems to have if we, yes. we, we if we <laughs> want to see more yards on offense we, we scored 24 points and we want to see more yards on offense like that 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 could be good that's a good thing uh and again credit to the defense for doing its job and, and setting up the offense with short fields um you know and oh i just because i, I don't want to forget to mention this but another question mark we talked a lot about question marks gavin Wimsett, the offensive line you know will the team make a step forward but we needed to replace our most important player from last season which was adam corsack and flynn appleby or, or i'm sorry if i'm getting his name wrong he did a phenomenal job. We didn't punt that much, but the punts that he did do for a second, it was like, wait a second, is that Adam Corsack out there? Like, I was very encouraged to see him do a great job. And and I, and I was um, reading something. We replaced pretty much when you replace your your long snapper punter and pretty much your your, your place kicker, uh, even though he's still on the team. I felt like we did pretty well in special teams. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a vocal point of this game. And others in other years, our special teams is what we really saw the most of. But it was, I thought that was another encouraging moment. You know, if we do need to punt in, in tougher games, knowing that we do have a guy who's capable of potentially flipping the field like Adam Corsack was. So just wanted to squeeze that in before I forgot, because, you know, I know punting isn't the most exciting thing to talk about. Unfortunately, it's been the most exciting thing to talk about for Rutgers over the past couple of years. So that's hoping to change. And, and Flynn Appleby, another Australian punter Rutgers has, same style, you know, same look. So they're hoping that that could be another another uh, carryover after Corsac, but not the, the focal point of the team, you know, hoping for you know, players to win Ray Guy Awards at the end of the year because we don't want him on the field that much. And who knows uh, how that's going to carry over. But one thing we saw from the defense as well was they were hitting – and they were hitting hard, which I love to see. Shaquan Loyal especially, that's the play that people are looking at down the sideline. Um, receiver has the ball in his hands, comes over, he times it perfectly and drives a shoulder into his chest. And Mohamed Torre gets a sack in his first game back. Just so many good things Rutgers did on defense. You mentioned holding them to just 12 yards. I don't care who the team is. You know, a college football team holding them to 12 yards, I believe on 22 carries, is something special. And it's a defense that's only really going to get better as they continue. Yeah, and, and not only did five, getting five sacks, we got sacks from players from the linebacker position, the safety position, the defensive end position. Like it was multiple guys contributing, which is which is great. Now there weren't many times where we were like bringing, I don't know, seven seven guys, you know, maybe in an engage eight situation. Like this was for the most part, I want to say rushing four or five guys, and that fifth guy being either the blitzing linebacker or safety, like you mentioned, Shaquan Loyal. Uh, I mean, the, the guys just played really great. I mean, and, and I, it was encouraging to see the guys that we talked about play well. And I think uh, uh, Tyreen Powell played phenomenally in the linebacker position. I mean, he is a big body, and he is athletic. When he, His sack, I mean, he waited for that hole, and he just got after the quarterback. And, and one thing I think the defense also did tremendously was tackle. There were very few if any, missed tackles by these guys. There was a lot of you know game tackling, which is what you want to see. But our guys were making open field tackles when they needed to. There wasn't a possibility of a breakaway play. Yeah, sure, they, they Northwestern absolutely did complete some passes downfield. I don't really feel like the receivers were ever completely wide open. They were just good balls by Brandon or uh, 
by Ben Bryan, who, you know, did have some nice passes. I think that was expected. But the guys just were, were doing what they needed to do. They were chopping, as, as Greg Shiano would like to say. They, they, were, they were making their plays. Uh, and, and the best part was that the defense really wasn't on the field that much. I mean, that goes, we know that because of the time of possession, but the defense just did its job. And that's all they're, and, and if this is going to be the groundwork of each game moving forward, now, sure, there's going to be games where they, that's not the case, but the games where Rutgers fans are looking at, hey, we need to win this game. We know what the framework is. We know what the groundwork is, and we know what the defense is capable of. So, I mean, and the guys were out there hitting. They weren't, they weren't arm tackling. They, they were, they were, they didn't care that Northwestern was going through some stuff in the offseason. They didn't care that they were in the inferior opponent. They unleashed their will on them, both offensively and defensively. And that's what you need to do to win Big Ten football games. Yeah, you look at power behind the hits and you look at contact made, and they were really doing both. You wanted a defense that hits and hits hard, and that's what I saw on Sunday from there. And again, you mentioned they were rested. They weren't on the field too much, and that was early on. Rutgers had the ball for like close to 13 and a half minutes of that first quarter. I mean, you're going to win games doing that, absolutely, if you keep the other offense off the field. And that's what they were able to do. The first two plays going for six uh, drives, excuse me, going for 16 plays. I'm not sure how many there were in all the games across the whole season last year, but I wouldn't be surprised if there were more yesterday with those two drives and there was all of last season of of going 16 plays i'll even say 15 or more plays from the Rutgers offense i gotta look that up but i i, guarantee, I have a stat for you actually i mike, guarantee the numbers close uh, yeah mike mike broadbent i think he's on the the Rutgers rivals podcast tweeted out on uh that uh in 2022 are you had two offensive drives of 15 plus plays <laughs> surprisingly one against iowa and then the other one against indiana and then we had two in this game alone and, I, and i'm they were prop. They were the. Oh, they weren't the opening drive. It was the opening drive, and then the one that Mananga. No, it might have been the first two. It was the first two. Drives. It was the first two drives of the season. So there you go. Like I said, I two even seems like a lot for last year, but they were able to do that right away on Sunday, and it, and it just shows how coaching matters at any level in any sport. But in college football, you need that coaching, and you can't say that Kirk Soraka hasn't you know made a huge impact already. Yeah, and, and I, I going back to uh, – I just want to flip back to the offense for a quick second. We talked about the the, the, the limited penalties. Now, the, the one that happened at the end of the game, looking back, just just not, not a penalty that Rutgers need. I think it's a coaching moment. The, the, you know, the, these, the cornerbacks play well. The, def- the best defender on a defense, though, is the sideline. If you can use the sideline to your advantage, it's like playing with a 12th guy. And on that play, with I think it was Robert Longerbeam, he was I, – I, it was pass interference, but like it was confusing because he was out of bounds. Like the receiver, both of them were out of bounds, and it was just like it didn't need to happen. So that was an unfortunate play call or a penalty. And the other one was, I believe, on the first drive, an illegal man downfield. So yes, a, a tough play when you're running those RPOs and you don't get it out quick enough. You can find that your linemen get down the field. So coachable moments, easy to fix, but those are going to happen throughout the year. Both of those type of penalties. But there weren't. There wasn't any holding. There wasn't any face masking. There was almost a targeting against uh, uh, the state, the Davis or Desmond Igbenison. I didn't think it was targeting. It wasn't targeting. It was just one of those plays where you were. If you look at it in slow mo, yeah, maybe targeting. But I never thought it was. I thought it was just you know he was sliding. He was going for the tackle. It just happened. Bang bang play. But my point is, playing clean like that is important because when you give teams. Any type of second life when you're when you're giving them penalties is is a is not a good thing. But more about the offense, I just wanted to add is it wasn't again we talked about it, a spectacular offensive performance. Like wow, look at these fireworks on offense. 
But we, I, I have the stats up here. There was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight guys caught a pass today. That, that that's tremendous. And we talked a lot during the during the off season of who's gonna come, who's gonna rise to the occasion, who's gonna be our go to guy. I mean, to get Isaiah Washington four catches in this game was just encouraging. Now, I don't know if he's going to be the go-to guy. I think it should be Chris Long. But we saw all of these guys contributing. Gavin Wimsett getting these guys the ball. And I think that's awesome because while it wasn't like a you know 200-yard passing game, I don't believe, it, it was guys caught the ball, guys got involved, and, and they I don't know if there was any drops. I don't think there was any drops. There, there, if anything, Gavin Wimsett pretty much either threw an incomplete pass that was not going to get caught or it was he threw it out of bounds. So like he made good decisions, but I just find it so encouraging that the offense was had lots of guys involved. And shout out, of course, to the two running backs, Kyle Manungai and, and the true freshman Jason Benjamin for for really doing a great job pounding the block, pounding the ball uh, between the tackles. So just an encouraging offensive performance. Yeah, the penalties to me really stuck out. You're not you didn't see eight or ten, which is what Rutgers fans have become used to, and they weren't formation penalties, which is. The most important thing, like you said, there were no holdings, there were no false starts, no delay of games, anything like that. If And I believe Shaquan Loyal, I believe they threw a, a flag after his hit along the sideline, but they they, they, picked, picked they picked it up, which was, again, the right call. That was a great hit. Oh, it was Man, awesome. I love that one. Seeing that replay a bunch of times was awesome. But those are the ones I could live with. You never want 15-yard penalties, but if a guy's going to get – you know, a flag for targeting, unnecessary roughness. You don't want them to hurt anybody. It's out, Nobody's out there trying to hurt each other, obviously. But I'll take a penalty for the defense hitting hard, trying to make a play, sure. rather than a false start by anybody along the offensive line, a pre-snap penalty, a delay a game, can't get out of the huddle, anything like that, which is what we didn't see. And, again, G- Gavin Wimsett was able to use his abilities, man. It was really – it was fun to see him throw the football, first of all. He's got a Big Ten arm, that's for sure. And he looked he looked comfortable. That's what, that's kind of the word that Shiano said. He's improved within the offense, and he looked very comfortable running it because he was able to do the things that he's good at. I said last week when we previewed this game, you have to coach to what you have. You don't just call plays and expect your players to, to perform at the best level, in my opinion anyway. That's how I would coach. You coach what you have. you got a quarterback with a strong arm who can move. Get him out of the pocket. Throw the ball down the field. Throw the ball to the sideline. And, and that's what we saw. I think the play calling was phenomenal, and... The offensive line, we didn't touch on that yet as well. Rutgers didn't run the ball, you know, to the best of their ability, in my opinion. We mentioned the injuries. They were missing two backs, one of them being a true freshman who was in there. Benjamin got some carries, and Kyle Manungai played a great game. But they didn't run the ball to the best of their ability, but they were strong in pass protection. And that's going to that's gonna be important for this young quarterback. If they could protect him like that this year, he should put up some numbers. Yeah, I, I, I think I want to – I definitely want to talk more Gavin Wimsat, but uh, – to talk, to talk to the offensive line and then also the running backs, I really thought they did a tremendous job in, in pass protection. I really did think Gavin Wimsett. There was one. There was one. I don't even think it counted as a sack because you got to the back to the line of scrimmage. But that goes to show you the type of athlete that he is. Specifically, that was there was only one play. I think it was in the second half, maybe on the opening drive of the second half, where they got to him. But it was one of those plays that was probably more of a covered sack than the offensive line letting up pressure. It was, it was encouraging to see them do a good job in pass protection. I'm not sure. Again, obviously we have to remember that was Northwestern, but regardless, this was better than practice for the team, for the, for the offensive line. One thing that surprised me was Ireland Burke not starting at center. Not sure what happened there. Hopefully we hear some more. I thought that it was a, 
you know, done deal that he was going to be the returning starting center. But I thought Gus Solinsky did a good job replacing him. Uh, I will say, I, I think they could have done a better job getting more pressure when running the ball. However, again, I don't, most of the running plays were all of the same. There wasn't like, yeah, similar. nothing was going to the sideline, which I'm fine with because that's when you find yourself losing, losing yards and playing behind the line of scrimmage. And then you're setting yourself up for failure, possibly on second or third down. But, uh, you know, we didn't the, – the two running backs weren't necessarily complementary to each other. It was kind of like putting in two guys that were very similar skill set-wise. But I thought they did a great job. They broke tackles. They got first downs. Um, and there were times where the offensive line did do a good job in pass protection. There was one There was one play on the opening drive. I believe it was the second play of the drive. And I only know this because I did a full video breakdown of it, that Johnny Langan missed a block. So, like – it's, it's not always, you know, when, the, when there's a bad play in the running game, and, and there was a missed block by Chris Long as well, but it was more of a safety blitz. Like, it's not always the offensive line. There, there are plays for a reason, and it's 11 guys that need to play on the same page. That's why football's the most team sport you can ever watch. Um, but, yes, the offensive line, I do think, like, when you look at our – the, the left side of the line, I didn't see any issues with Hollins Pierce. I thought that uh, Curtis Dunlap played well. And again, Gus Zielinski. Now, one thing that I still view as a concern is now that it was hot out, you had to rotate guys in. That was going to happen. I think we knew that from the beginning, but we still really don't know who the, the, the starting five are going to be. I think we need to get after Temple. I think we should have a better idea. And if we don't have a better idea, we need to have a better idea. But regardless, I didn't see any glaring issues. There weren't many plays that lost us yards. There were some, but there, 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 there's been way more in, in the, in the, uh, previous season. So I think that's, if, if you're going to get back to the line of scrimmage, it's not good, but it's better than losing yards. And there wasn't a lot of negative plays credit to Kirk Sriracha. I'm sure he designed it that way, but also, you know, we, we didn't have Samuel Brown. We didn't have Aaron Young, our bigger running backs that can just fall forward and get four yards. The guys showed up common on guy and, and, uh, Jason Benjamin. So it's just encouraging to know that there is depth at this team. Previous years, if we lost one guy, we were in trouble. That's just simply not going to be the case this year. At least it seems right now after week one. And Greg, yeah, Greg Schiano said that all during training camp that he was looking for those five guys. And as the weeks kind of went on, he wasn't nailing down a starting five, which we could, again, which we could expect. Ireland Brown was a guy we thought would be locked in there but the other two holland pierce carter's dunlap jr holland pierce is going to be a stud this year he's gonna have a big oh, yeah. year he's an anchor at, on that left side and he played a good game yesterday but it would be nice to see after temple or even after virginia tech i would like it after temple because that virginia tech game is a much bigger game it's a that's kind of a seat that's a season maker as well if you could start out hopefully three and oh take care of temple and beat a virginia tech team that's reeling you, that really you're you're taken off into Michigan and then Wagner obviously as the year goes on, but that's a team I think you want everybody healthy and you want things established along that offensive line. So we'll see kind of how the next week or two plays out. And in terms of running backs, Kalmanungai had a catch yesterday for twenty yards. That was, that was a good play, very good play call. But that was the only one coming from running backs, and that's sure. what they miss with Aaron Young. So. Again, they haven't shown everything, but they also haven't had the personnel. Aaron Young's a good receiver out of the backfield, and that's just another dynamic that this team's going to add when he's able to get back and get healthy because, you know, as good of a, a ball carrier as Manungai is, which he is, I like him. He's been a bell cow for the team, you know, before Samuel Brown broke out last year. He's not the best pass catcher. Benjamin's only a, um, Benjamin's only a freshman. So Aaron Young brings that to the offense, and you can never have too many options 
within an offense, especially on a Rutgers team where these wide receivers are still kind of unproven and, and trying to find their own niche. Totally. And it sounded like Greg Shiano hinted that Al Shadi Salam was, was available for the game. Can't remember what he was saying. He, he wasn't fully healthy or wasn't ready for game one, which is why we saw Benjamin play so much more. So that's another guy that I view as a, a possible option in the passing game or, you know, in a screen pass. Yeah. That's something else. Just we so didn't much see speed. any. There was, there was no screens. There was no, well, there was like a one failed screen pass to Johnny Langan, I believe, but there wasn't any type of, uh, you know, screen to the running back or really quick, you know, the, the hitch plays where they, they throw it. Like, you know, if you, if you can remember Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, like just throwing it to him real quick. If this, if the cornerback was off the line of scrimmage a lot and let him pick up seven, maybe, maybe eight yards. We didn't see a lot of that, but again, I think that was intentional. So I'm excited. I mean, we, as Rutgers fans, we have something to look forward to. We, we saw, like I mentioned again, the, the groundwork of this offense, the framework, which the team's going to be, uh, circled around, which is holding on to the ball, long, methodical offensive drives that chew up clock. Games may not be that exciting, but that's how you, we're going to win football games until we have the explosive uh, type of talent that other teams across the country have. And I don't care. If you're winning football games, win them the way you need to win them, and that's how we're going to need to do it. But, yeah, I think that it was just encouraging to know that two of our two, – two backs that, you know, I think Rutgers was – probably going to use less of as the season moves on just with Sam Brown and what people are expecting from him, but still for them to just get the job done on, on third down and fourth downs, you gave them the ball and they got it done. But uh, I think also the other thing was just everybody contributed. Everybody contributed on all levels and all three phases of the game. This was a team win. Obviously it was on the backs of the offense because of, of them holding on to the ball. And I think it's funny that we kept talking about how we need to, we need to make sure we get the defense off the field f- for them to rest. I felt bad for the offense this game. They, they played <laughs> an entire quarter more. Yeah. For the, the, like we held the ball for 15 minutes more than uh, Northwestern did. That's exhausting. <laughs> Good for them. I hope they took a nice bath after the game. Uh, but like just that's not easy to do, especially when you're an offensive lineman uh, and you're just constantly – being weared down play after play, but they, they didn't show that. They didn't show any type of, I want to take my foot off the gas. The way they played in the first quarter was the way they played in the, the last second of the game. And that's what, that's what Greg Shano wants to do. That's called, that's what it means to chop. This game was a definition of that. And there was plenty of moments throughout the game where it was personified, per, personified further, but just an encouraging game. And, and I, you know, it's going to be fun to watch against Temple because we're going to talk about a preview later, but, you know, I think it's another winnable game, but also a game where we're going to hopefully see more from the team. And, and what we saw against Northwestern just makes me so excited. The depth is definitely something to look at as well. I know you just you mentioned that. And I, in terms of the receivers, again, an unproven group who really you don't know who the number one is right now. People expect the breakout player to be Chris Long um, in that receiving room. So we'll see how that plays out. Johnny Langan, again, is the tight end. He he's, shouldn't be the number one receiving option on this team but he brings that experience when you look at eight guys making a catch you look at five of them had 20 or more yards I know that's not a big number 20 yards obviously but it shows about how you're moving the ball around and just looking at the stats five of them had a catch of 12 or more yards again not a huge number but just guys running routes down the field and getting open and Gavin Wimps at finding them again Ian Strong Great play. I, I think Sports Center got a hold of that play, put him in the top 10. Great catch yep. on that first drive. 
I don't know what initially ruled out of bounds. I don't know what the ref, ref was standing right there. It was clear his left foot got down, but that's just, <laughs> that's big 10 officiating. We're used to that in, in football and basketball, but a lot of, a lot of players got a chance here. And I think, especially in the receiving room, this is what we're going to see because there's not those one or two established guys that are going to be on the field over the course of the offensive drive. I think Rutgers is planning to use a lot of guys and that's something different that they might not have had in previous years. Yeah, I uh, when you look at I, Ian Strong, certainly does not look like a true freshman. He might be one no. of the biggest receivers. He's definitely one of the biggest receivers on the team. I think there's a question about that. But he was there for two crucial plays. One, obviously the touchdown. We can't talk about enough about the touchdown. It was incredible on all parts of the game. Pass blocking, Gavin Wimps, the, the play calling, the, to trust Gavin Wimsett after throwing an incomplete pass. But the throw, the Another catch, all about pass, it. Too. That, that was one that should have been picked, but he got away Correct. with one. It, yeah. yeah, there was a couple of tough ones by Gavin. But that one, that one, but that's what we like to see. You know, you, you make Aaron throws, and then you come back and you, you show confidence. You're in the pocket. You deliver a beautiful ball. Yeah. Those are such Short tough memory. throws to make. Because when, I, when, when, else, when you're out of the red zone, you have the whole field to work with. Chances are you aren't going to throw the ball out of the back of the end zone if you're on the 50. Like, yeah, you can, but like when you're on the the, 12, the 18-yard line, wherever we were, it's just that you, you're playing against the end zone at that point. Uh, but just an incredible play. But then you also had that other play by Ian Strong. I'm not sure if Gavin Wimsatt was intending to get the ball to him or the or Benjamin who like tipped the ball on the, I think it was the second drive of the of the offense. It, he just dives. He's there. He's a security blanket. He's just a guy that's in the right place at the right time. And it's just fun because somebody in this wide receiver room who was unproven was going to need to make that step forward to step up and be a be a leader in the receiver group. Maybe it's this guy. Maybe it's him. You know, we saw a little bit of Jaquay Jackson. Uh, you know, he took a he took he took a tough hit, but held on to the ball. It was just a four yard pickup, but he held on to the ball and he got right back up. You know, it's it was a big hit, but he 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 did what he needed to do. Uh, but that I honestly, to me, the play that truly made me feel like wow, this this could be a spe- not I don't want to say special year. I'm getting ahead of myself, but a but a, a transformative year, I guess we'll say it offensively was that fourth and five pass completed to Kristen Dremel, and it just reminded me a lot of. That Illinois play uh, two years ago when Gavin came in for his first play to complete a pass on fourth and whatever it was to Max or to Bo Melton. The him to extend, you know, he was in the pocket. I thought he had good protection, but he extends the play with his feet going to the left, which we haven't seen him do that much. He keeps it to the right because he's a righty, but throws the ball across his body on fourth and five. If it's an incomplete pass, who knows the way this game shapes out because mo- the momentum completely shifts. To Northwestern, but he completes the ball perfectly to Christian Dremel, who makes a great catch yeah, a great play. for a big pickup on fourth down. Like it's, I truly think there were so many big plays throughout the game, offensively and defensively. But a play you need to look at to be like, hey, this could be a different team. It has to be that one. I mean, again, it was fourth and five. That's not easy to convert, and we were perfect on fourth down this game, and that's just. Really encouraging. That's not gonna. That's not gonna be sustainable. Obviously, especially when we play way better defenses. But we, we're building confidence. Like, oh, we have four downs. We don't just have three downs. We have four downs to keep these drives alive. And that's what it's gonna take. Impose your will on these teams and capitalize on moments like that. I can watch that play over and over and over again. The short memory is definitely something you want to see from Wimsat, and that's what we saw on before that fourth down play where the ball should have been picked. It was a bad throw. I, w- I wouldn't even necessarily say that after 
watching it after watching the replay, it was a miscommunication. The receiver went a little deeper, went behind the yep. defender rather than cutting in front of him. So it wasn't the worst throw, but it regardless should have been picked. And to come back and throw a strike, which he did, seeing it live, we didn't have the best camera angle watching on TV. So we didn't know if he was in or out until we saw the replay. But the thing I took away from I said great throw right away when I saw it after the yep. ref said out of bounds. I said because there was no way the defender's getting that pass. That was Ian Strong or that was, or that was incomplete. And that's what yep. you look for in the red zone. You don't want to throw any picks, turn the ball over in the end zone. So it was a great throw. The fact that it was a touchdown and a great catch makes it even better, obviously. And Yeah, I think if – go back and watch that touchdown play and look at where the defenders are. And there was one defender that was a little bit further back. He, it looked like he jumped 10 feet in the air like this, to, to, to try to bat it away. And then he, and Ian Strong, of course, had a, a corner or safety right on his hip. So there was two defenders there. It, and it's just one of those throws where it could not have been anywhere else. It was a perfect throw. It was a, it would have been a hard catch no matter what, no matter what receiver was was trying to make it. It all just worked out. And you know, obviously, I want I want there to be some easier touchdowns as the season progresses. <laughs> right. for the team. But that one before the but before that play was the incomplete pass to Chris Long, which I'm just. I don't know what Gavin was doing there. It looked like he threw it away because if it was an incomplete pass, I mean, he really sailed it. But he had them, and I think those plays will come as the season progresses because I, I have it in my breakdown. He He's open, and he has the talent to, to, to zip that ball in, and I think Long has the talent to make the catch. It was just unfortunate that uh, that didn't work out, but it made for the next play to be a spectacular highlight that we'll be able to look at the whole year. We're going to see those inconsistencies from – Gavin, that was something that we saw last year. And even in training camp, Shiano highlighted it at times while saying he was improving. And that's kind of what we saw yesterday. Overall, his performance was a positive note. And there were a lot of positives. But when you look at some of the negatives, I think the one that stood out to me, there were, you know, a few guys were banged up. Again, we don't know if um, Ireland Brown was hurt. It doesn't seem like it. But obviously his situation, Wesley Bailey, I believe, went out in the second half and didn't play much there. So we'll see what happens with him over the course of the week. But Nassim Brantley is the one that sticks out yeah. only because of Greg Schiano's comments in postgame. And we know the history with Rutgers when it comes to NCAA rulings when uh, last year the whole Drew Singleton situation following the bowl game, or two years ago following the bowl game, he didn't get reinstated after playing in that game and getting an injury after declaring for the draft, that whole mess that the NCAA messed up. Once again... Shiano makes a comment about an NCAA ruling, doesn't say what it is, so we'll see if any news comes out there, but he was not happy about it, and I can only assume, again, knowing nothing, that it's about his eligibility when it comes from transferring, but I'm not exactly sure what could come of that, but it's clear Greg Shiano was not happy with whatever the NCAA decided. Yeah, who knows what it is. I mean, I uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not sure if Jaquay Jackson and Brantley were uh, grad transfers or not, but it was just, it wasn't an issue of a two-time transfer, I don't think. It's just one of those things where the, I, I don't, I want to know if there's people out there that are like, oh, I'm the biggest, I'm the biggest NCAA supporter ever. Like, does anybody like this organization? Like, do they do things that actually are benefiting the student athletes? I don't know. Because all you ever hear is the negatives. Yes, they over. They, I'm sure they do a lot that we don't see, but they get a lot, they get in the way of, of letting these guys play. I mean, I get it. It's sports. They're students first, but like, I'm, there are students. There are students, but you're getting in the way of them 
for contributing to the university outside of the classroom. It's just so frustrating. Yes, his comments were not great. I think it was also one of those issues where he didn't want to say anything uh, to just create a narrative or, or a headline that, you know, he, he, he played it correctly. But, you know, I think if he's frustrated, he should he should say he's frustrated because it is frustrating. But it's mostly frustrating for the players. You know, I want to know what this guy has. I'm sure he wants to show uh, New Jersey and Rutgers what, what he has to offer to, to the university. So it's just unfortunate. Yes, that was a – and we didn't know it was an NCAA issue until after the game. Right. So we easily could have left – he could have not said anything, and we could have just been questioning, oh, what's wrong? Is he injured? Is he going to play? Is this another uh, – what was his name? Taj, uh, the Syracuse transfer from last year. Remember what his last – Taj – Harris. This is another issue of him going to be leaving the leaving the program after one game. I hope not. It doesn't seem like that. It seems like a, something that's out of the control of both the team and the player. It's just frustrating, though. I mean, that was a negative, and of course it was a negative that didn't actually happen during the game. Yeah, nobody knew what was going on. The question that was asked was about whether Brantley was dealing something, dealing with something injury-wise because nobody knew what was happening. And I believe he, he came over from Western Illinois. I believe he played four years in college or five years. So I don't know if he's a grad transfer, I assume, playing that many years. But I know he has one year of eligibility left. That was the news when he transferred. So I'm not really sure what could have happened unless he broke some sort of other rule. But again, the NCAA rules are so just in-depth isn't the right word. There's too many of them. A lot of them don't make sense. The only good thing they ever did was allowing players to benefit, uh, to profit off their name, image, and likeness because that's a, yep. no, because that's a no-brainer. And I've always been a fan of that because there was no way they were going to pay players. There was no base for the NCAA or these schools to pay players because there's so many sports and so many situations that make different money for the university. So unless you were going to come up with some sort of scale to do that, where you're paying the football team the most and then the basketball team the most, but then you have to create different, you know, stipends for players. What if they're more important to the team? All of that stuff. There's no way to do it. So the NCAA got it right by letting them profit off of their own name, image, and likeness if people wanted to sponsor them. But outside of that, they've really dropped the ball on a lot of issues. So I'm curious to see what kind of news comes out here, and especially after the whole Drew Singleton mess a couple years ago, which I think they got wrong 100%. Sure, yeah. And uh, just on the topic of, of negatives, something more on the field, I don't think it's a negative that's going to be an issue for the team, but it was, you know, we're, we are going to... If, if Rutgers defense is going to be forcing teams to punt the ball, we're going to need to clean up the mistake that obviously Rashad Rochelle made. Uh, I think he may have had, he had the one muffed at the end of the game that was a turnover, but he might've also bobbled one that we, we recovered without question. Like there was no worry there, but we need to clean that up because we, we, the offense, there were, you know, there were pos- there were possible interceptions thrown or almost thrown by Gavin Wimsat, but we need to play clean football at all three levels of, of the, of the, of the game, like special teams, offense, and defense. Uh, so, you know, we, we had the luxury of having Aaron Kirkshank, Kirkshank for like the last three years. And before that, there was Janarian Grant, Bo Melton did stuff. So we need to fill that void. I'm not saying Rashad Rochelle or somebody else can't do it, but, you know, that was a that was something that we did poorly at. Uh, there wasn't any opportunities for really kickoffs. There was the one in the op- opening of the game and then the one at the end of the game, uh, that we weren't going to return anyway. So we don't really know what that looks like. Uh, so there's there's areas of gray there, or gray, there's a gray area there. But I want us to be able to clean that up. And then, of course, Jay Patel, I thought, 
you know, great job making that first kick, but we got to make that second one as well. Like those are the, those are, that's the difference between Rutgers from this year and Rutgers from last year, capitalizing when we are in favor of, of taking the lead or, or continuing to, to create the lead. You know, we need to just capitalize in those situations. Again, young player, credit to you for making that first one and all your extra points, but it just would have been like another cherry on top if we capitalize. Now, don't get me wrong. College kickers, don't bet on college kickers. It's just the way it goes. We've seen but it I already think that the first it, week and a half. Yeah. I think this kid can can be an X factor for us. The fact that he made the first one, I think, was a was a great uh, great motivation for him. But you know, there there were areas of improvement for the team, both on offense and defense. You know, I think that there's going to be times where they're going to make mistakes. But I'm I'm excited to see what this coaching staff can do with the guys because you know people are people came into the season very low with very low expectations for Rutgers. Some some on their own the own fan base. I think there's reasons for to be plenty. Of, I think there's plenty of reasons for optimism for this team, and we saw it on display uh, against Northwestern. Because you know, I watched Indiana. I watched the whole Indiana. I watched the Indiana Ohio State game. Indiana does not have a good offense. Their defense was very uh, encouraging, but there are games on this roster that Rutgers, if they can do what they did against Northwestern, they can win those games. So it's going to be fun to watch. Um, but yeah, I think there was. Plenty to improve on, but lots to be excited about for this team after after just one game. Yeah, just looking around the Big Ten, nobody nobody really impressed um, to to a point. Like we know, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State are going to be the top three teams, no matter regardless of week one and whatever happened there. It's kind of weird how Ohio, Ohio State does this every year. You look at the Notre Dame game last year. You look at that they crawled through. You look at the loss to Oregon a couple years ago in week two. They get off to these slow starts. You know, Marvin Harrison Jr. only had two catches the other day. You mentioned Michigan not really imposing their will in that game. Penn State looked good. Drew Aller's going to be a stud. But outside of the top three, Rutgers has a chance to to compete against the Indianas. And I think even the Michigan States of the world will see oh, yeah. it. And we'll see about the Iowas. That offense is not good again. And it blows my mind that this offense is not going to be good again. And the play calling is just as bad as ever. If, if Brian Ferentz makes it through this year. I'm going to lose my mind. I've talked about him a couple times on here, and it just it drives me nuts every single time, especially watching that game. They came out and scored 14 points right away and just died for the just died for the rest of the game. So it just blows my mind how he's still there. But regardless, I'm hoping he makes it to the Rutgers game. Then maybe they might have a chance to to play another low scoring game on the road. That's that might be their best bet. But definitely a lot to be positive about with Rutgers and and just seeing. The improvements on the year from the fan base. I think bowl games, the expectation, obviously nobody expects this team to win eight or nine games and compete for an East division title. But I think winning six games in a bowl game would make a little, it would make people happy. Very, very happy. I think even five and seven people would be happy just not showing kind of the ineptability that they did last year. And this game on Sunday was a good start. Yeah. I, uh, I watch a lot of the games, you know, Penn state certainly looks like a great team. Uh, I, I'm not, I, I'm not going to say anything bad about Ohio state and Michigan, but they didn't do the things that they do well at. They, they, I think both teams played great defense, uh, which is good, mostly for Ohio state, Ohio state needed to clean up the defense a little bit, but they didn't do anything on offense with all that talent. And it's impossible for that team to not improve with all the talent that they have, but for Michigan to just not be able to establish the run against ECU. Like, J.J. McCarthy played great. There was, I think, Roman Wilson for them. I think he had a hat trick. He had three touchdowns. But they, at in the big house, and they were quote-unquote motivated because of Jim Harbaugh, hashtag free Harbaugh, which I thought was very lame when you're playing uh, 
ECU, just come on, guys. Especially a uh, self-imposed suspension. You can't do that yeah. with a self-imposed suspension. Correct. So weird, cringy, but that's what we should expect. Um, I, I just thought that when if we if we want to compare ourselves to other teams in the Big Ten, Rutgers did a great job answering a lot of questions. Again, I know we, we have to mention it was against Northwestern. I don't like saying that because I'm sure teams will find a way to say that about us if they beat us by a lot. But it's just the truth of the matter. But Rutgers did things that they needed to answer. People are going to come watch if they if they if they watch the highlights of the game or caught it live, which they should because it was a standalone game. Like Gavin Wimsad did enough to be like, "Hey, this is this is not last year. This is not a quarterback carousel. They got a guy who's going to be able to take a step forward." I can't. I didn't get to watch too much of the Michigan State game, but until the fourth quarter, it was a close one with Central Michigan at home. And, uh, I mean, the best thing about Michigan State is, if anybody watched the Florida State game last night, Keon Coleman, who had three touchdowns for the Seminoles, was a, is a transfer from Michigan State. So it's a, it's a damn shame that the $95 million man couldn't hold on to him because yeah, I kick him sure. ball. So, like, it's I, – I, I look at it as, like, there's, there's reasons to trend upward for Rutgers. There's other teams that I think can find themselves trending downward. Uh, but there's – and even a team like Illinois, and we're not going to play them, but they didn't. They struggled against Toledo, and Purdue lost to Fresno State. Rutgers is in a unique situation. Those teams won't really matter for Rutgers because they're in a different division and they don't play them. But when we're going to compare everybody in the Big Ten, and, and Rutgers did a great job. Rutgers really did a great job to be like, hey, they, they had the spotlight, the, the, the lens was on them, and they answered the call. They did what they needed to do. They forced turnovers, they controlled the ball, they protected the ball, and they won the game. All we can ask for. That's all you can do. You can only play this on your schedule. Again, everybody, it's funny how Northwestern has all these things going on off the field. Nobody expects them to be any good. People expect Rutgers to win this game, cover this game, lopsided score. All of that happens, and they still find a way to kind of rain on the parade of Rutgers in week one. You know, Nobody's really walking around pounding their chest, saying anything too special about this team so far. It's just one game. But you know all the naysayers and the negatives out there are going to try and create a narrative against Rutgers and still how they don't belong, even though right now they're certainly not the worst team. It's, it's going to be another long year for Northwestern, but also Purdue. I think they're going to have a very, very long year. They might get their guys in. Ryan Walters could turn that program around and get them back to winning ways, but certainly not going to be this year. So the Big Ten as a whole is going to be very, very interesting. But all we know for now is that Rutgers is 1-0. This is a Tuesday. This will be released that you're listening to right now. We're going to have another one coming on Friday to preview the Temple game, tell you the best games to bet on, what to look at, what to avoid, and take another dive around. That'll be the plan for football season. We got to get as much content in as we can, especially if Rutgers is going to be playing games like this all week, um, every week, which is what fans are hoping for. So, Matt, any final words? Let's just keep chopping. That's all we can do. I'm I, I putting my, put my faith behind this coaching staff. I think everyone else should too. We saw improvement. There's reasons for optimism. Keep chopping. Fans show up for the blackout game. Show up for the Virginia Tech game. You make a difference. It's all, we, we can have an impact just as much as the team. No, maybe not just as much as the team, but yeah. <laughs> you can have an impact on this game. And, and also, don't be afraid to tell your friends to come to the game. It should be fun Saturday night. So I, I will be at a wedding, unfortunately, but luckily I, I posted an article showing the best ways that you can watch games while at weddings. So I'll be watching. Uh, I'll be there in spirit. But, you know, shout out Rutgers Nation for doing a pretty good job showing out and, of course, the students. So looking forward to a, a full, exciting season for Rutgers football. So much more to come. You'll be hearing from us and just keep chopping.
these big wedding seasons early in football season. I, these people must not look at the calendar. I have one as well on uh, the 16th for the Virginia Tech game, so I won't be in my house watching that game. I'll have to find a way again at the wedding, taking one of your suggestions of that, at that wedding as well. So we'll be back. Thanks to the Raritan Podcast to preview the Temple game and dive around Rutgers Athletics as a whole. So we'll see you guys next time.